Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, is Evo missing a golden opportunity? Is it time to return to Sea of Thieves and No Man's Sky? And what can Apple do after a trillion dollars? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everything that you do as far as supporting all of our social media and, of course, listening to all of our awesome shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the orchestrator of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything going on today at humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It's my good friend. It's Josh Peterson. Long drive back home, my friend, but I finally made it. Yep, going from California to Nevada. How do you feel, man? What was the hours behind the wheel there? Today was around nine, I think. Yeah, around nine heading over to here. But all told, I think I spent roughly about 17 to 20 hours, I guess, total over the past week. So I give all props to all those truckers out there or people out there who do a lot of driving for a living and uh, got nothing but love for you and respect for you. Uh, it's because, uh, like I said, I did uh, quite a bit of it myself this past week. So I really got a good feel for what life on the open road is truly like. You thinking about a career change here? Uh, no, I still like the pop culture cosmos very much. Thank you very much. But we do have a great episode coming up for you here today. We've got a double dose of Rob McCallum. He's coming up not only after our first conversation, but also later in the show with some great pop culture topics. Plus, we've got talk about the major updates that have come to No Man's Sky and Sea of Thieves. And we asked the question, and we'll answer it also, is it time to get back into those two I guess uh, I guess probably the best way to say it is initially very hyped up but disappointing video games. And last but not least, we're going to close out the show talking about Apple. They recently hit over a trillion dollars as far as their market value. That's right, over a trillion dollars. They're only the second company ever in history to go over a trillion dollars in value. We'll talk a little bit about the structure of Apple and and 
all, everything that's went on into getting a, a trillion dollars, plus also for the future, what can Apple do that can actually get them more involved with the community and actually earn them even more dollars if that's possible. But first, it's Evo weekend, and I want to give first a shout out to one of our contributors on the show. That is Christian Daniel Zamudio. He is competing this weekend at Evo, the World Fighting Championships taking place here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I wish him the best of luck in his category that he is competing against. And if you get a chance to check out all the action, please check out Christian Daniels Zamudio if you get a chance and he pops up on one of the actual matches that's going on. Just want to wish him all the best this weekend. Josh, the reason why I'm asking about Evo once again, and I pretty much do this once every year when it comes to Evo, we like to spend a little bit of time talking about how pop culture has transcended into video games and how video games has transcended into, I guess, popular culture as well. There's a lot of video games now that are out on the marketplace that are, I guess, gaining popularity by leaps and bounds. We obviously know the success of Fortnite and also as well, PUBG, League of Legends, also Overwatch as well. Many of those titles, including Rainbow Six, Call of Duty, and others, have had their time in the sun when it comes to major network television, as far as either broadcast or cable being shown to thousands, and you might as well say millions of fans out there on broadcast and cable television. So I ask you, Evo is still, from what I can tell, and I looked at it, it's going to be played all weekend long on Twitch, which is fine. It caters to a certain group that will watch it at probably about what? They'll probably stream at least get a couple million via the streaming network and whatnot, repeat viewers hopping in and out, things of that nature. So it will cater to those fans of the fighting genre. But personally, I see a missed opportunity in the fact that some of these matches for the games that are being represented, and there's quite a few, obviously, but these games, especially the finals of these tournaments, are not going to be shown on a major platform as far as broadcast or cable television to get that next step of eyes, the general consumer, which I've said is truly needed for the esports genre to really take off full time. There are some games that are doing it right now. I'll ask you, Josh, why do you think that Evo has not taken that next step and, well, like the actual Evo title itself, evolved into something greater that appeals to a wider and, I guess, more prolific audience? Because I think they're testing the the landscape right now. You look at Fortnite. Fortnite is it it was popular amongst a subculture of people like us who play games and talk about games. But it's fine. I like I was just reading an article earlier today that talked about how parents are hiring Fortnite coaches for their kids because they want to be professional streamers, professional Fortnite players, and so on. Which is a really weird thing if you think about it. But because of games like Fortnite, PUBG, there and I would even go as far to say Call of Duty. These are are finally now being brought into the public spotlight as opposed to a spotlight that was only seen by a certain group of people. So now, you know, with Evo, I think that it's it's inevitable. It's only a matter of time before they get brought into the public eye. But, you know, there you 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 tell people about, you know, video games potentially being in the 
the Olympics one day and there there are a group of people who will be like, oh, that'd be really cool. But there's still a group of people who are like, I don't see that. I think that's stupid. So I think that in order for something like Evo to be on network television, to have the finals be televised like that, it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, as we were talking about earlier, these gaming competitions are being picked up by stations like Disney and they're being played on what Disney XD, I think it is. It's gaining momentum and it's only a matter of time before it does get the spotlight that, you know, we're hoping that it will get. But, you know, I don't think the fact that they're not showing certain things on certain channels right now really means anything, especially with the dawn of, you know, like I said, Fortnite and all these these uh, Twitch and all these people who are now like you have kids now who want, you know, when you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, they're saying, I want to be a Twitch streamer. So I think it's really just a matter of time before we find ourselves in a situation where Evo is, you know, played on like ESPN or, you know, one of the other big sporting stations. So it, I don't think it's bad that it's not on right now. I think it, it will be in due time. I think it's about time it actually appears on a major network. There has been actual fighting games, a Mortal Kombat tournament, things of that nature that have appeared on major networks, both broadcast and cable television. So I believe it is the time for Evo to have been shown on a larger platform than just Twitch. Obviously, the majority of the games should still be shown always on Twitch, but the finals, I think, should have taken place and been shown on an even larger platform so it would have reached a larger audience. For any of the games that are out there, and the games that are going to be played in the tournament for Evo include Guilty Gear, Exert, Rev 2, Street Fighter 5, Arcade Edition, Tekken 7, Super Smash Bros. Melee, Super Smash Bros. Wii U, Blast Blue, Cross Tag Battle, Dragon Fighter Z, and Injustice 2. Any of those games could have been shown on a major platform, and I think done very well. And Probably Super Smash Brothers, either the Melee or the Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U or Street Fighter V Arcade Edition, that really would have gotten things over the hump because of the familiarity people have with these games, those games specifically. And I think that would have given the impetus for a larger audience. And even if it just gets a 0.2, 0.3, 0.4, that's at least to me a beginning and a setup for even greater years. Like you were talking about, that Evo needs to, well, pardon the pun, evolve into in order to be a major platform. Because if not, I think they are falling behind two other games that are doing a lot better job of promoting their products. Yeah, but like I said, it's a risk on their part. So, you know, I, I think the thinking is they're still testing the waters. They have been for a long time. You're correct in that. But it's still... Are people going to watch this or are we wasting time by not putting on something that will get the viewer numbers and hopefully capture the advertisers on those shows? So I, I see their hesitancy, but like you said, you, you won't know unless you try. So, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. It, it's I see why they're not doing it, but at the same time, they're never really going to know how successful it will be. It's not going to reach its potential if it's not given the chance to. Let me ask you this, as a fellow gamer, and I know you have been reluctant to really dip your toe or even dive into the waters when it comes to esports, would there be a game, whether it be a fighting genre, RPG genre, first-person shooter, that may get you involved with watching, at least on some sort of casual level, with the esports genre? I mean, because right now, Evo Tournament, this is their big thing of the year. These are their world championships. 
And there is no other bigger time of the year for the fighting game genre industry as far as the video game marketplace is concerned. So I ask you, is there something as a gamer and also a casual fan, is there something that might even remotely get you involved into watching it, not necessarily on Twitch, but on a major platform like an ESPN, TNT, TBS, channels that actually show esports at this present time? I would have to be like a Halo or Gears of War because those are the only two games I really play in multiplayer right now. Uh, you know, as far as like a, a fighting game, I haven't really played a lot of fighting games in a while. I see why people like them and I like to watch them, but I don't go out of my way to watch them, if that makes sense. Is there anything that might get you involved with the fighting games as far as maybe a bigger prize pool, bigger celebrities involved? Is there something that they need to do to reach out to a general fan? So maybe even if you have a remote interest in the fighting game genre, that might actually get you even to watch 10, 20 minutes of it. You know, this is kind of risky, but I would say if you gave people, you know, like a download code for something. So like if they made fighting games more accessible, there's not really, you know, uh, Nintendo Switch has, you know, a Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse, I think is the one out on it right now, but you know, if they made fighting games more accessible and then when they had these big events, do something where you can get a free code to play this game or something like a or like a demo or something. So people at least like for me personally, I don't truly appreciate games until I play them. Like I can watch. I remember being as a kid, like I would watch people play Tekken Tag Tournament and I didn't truly like it was cool. Yeah. And I but I didn't truly understand why they were so hyped about it until I played it myself. Those are some great thoughts. I, I can agree with you on many of them because when you give incentives to the consumer to watch your program oftentimes that will work at least to getting them to buy in initially and then it's up to you as a producer as a content maker to keep them involved and invested into watching whatever it is you're trying to deliver we were talking about Fortnite earlier and i know that the pro-am tournament that they had recently at e3 was a big success and I believe as far as the ratings were concerned, as far as the number of eyes that were on it watching streaming media while this was happening, was it was a really big win for Epic and Fortnite. So I would see something of that nature with celebrities from all walks as far as either entertainment, sports, what have you, getting involved with major fighters in like, let's say, a Tekken Tag tournament. And to me, that would actually really be something special if they could go ahead and do that or just have a celebrity tournament in and of itself running side by side with a professional tournament that might actually get people to cross over and bleed over into watching the professional tournament. If let's say some entertainers and some well-known sports celebrities actually face off each other in their own fighting game type championships to any local charity or what have you. So I think that might also entice some people to actually watch your product as well and see if that can actually get some eyes even if it's not in just the long term but at least get them invested in the short term as well but i like your your offer as far as trying to give incentives not necessarily bribes per se but reasons for them to watch which will be tangible for them to go ahead and then utilize and play for themselves so that's that's a great idea as well one last thing I want to ask you while we're talking about Evo, 
are the games that I have mentioned. And I'm going to mention once again that you can see this weekend on Twitch the ones you think that should have been representative or is there something else that are in there. And let me give you the list again. It's Tekken 7, Super Smash Brothers Wii U, Street Fighter V Arcade Edition, Guilty Gear Excerpt R2, Dragon Ball Z, Super Smash Brothers Melee, Injustice 2, and also Blast Blue Cross Tag Battle. I think Killer Instinct might have been a good opportunity for that to shine. What other games do you think might have actually been something that maybe Evo should have considered and maybe shown on this type of platform? Okay, well, I mean, I can't really speak much for fighting games because, like I said, I don't play them that much. I do have a particular fondness for Virtue Fighter because I remember owning that on the Sega Genesis. I think it's Virtue Fighter 2 or something. But, you know, I would like to see that maybe played because that I can resonate more with that because I do have a history with that franchise. I was thinking maybe Marvel versus Capcom. That might have been one of those games that people might be interested in because of the relationships between Marvel that people could become familiar with and that easily translates to a larger audience, plus the well-known names of Capcom as well. I know another Soul Calibur game is coming up soon. Soul Calibur 6, is that correct? Yeah, that's the the new one with uh, Geralt from The Witcher. Yeah, absolutely. Soul Calibur 6 would have been a very timely inclusion as well. Either of those two would have been great additions to the EVO World Championship mix. Mortal Kombat not being in there as well is a major misstep for EVO. And I understand Mortal Kombat has its own type championship styles. In fact, that has been shown on a cable television format, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So that to me is something that probably would have been more enticing than some of these other games that are being shown. But I understand that these games in the fighting game fan collection out there, they really appreciate these type of games. And I think that these are the games that they're looking forward to. But I would have actually tossed in some others as well. What are your thoughts on this weekend's Evo 2018 fighting tournament? Are you excited for the world championships of fighting games? Are you going to be tuned in all weekend long on Twitch? Are you kind of disappointed it's not on a larger platform like an ESPN, a TNT, a TBS that has shown esports in the past and shown them in a positive light? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, it's going to be a great episode we've got for you right here today on the PCC Multiverse. Again, we've got Rob McCallum coming up in the Cosmic Crossfire talking pop culture as only he can. This is the PCC Multiverse. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. This is Gerald coming right back at you here. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man among men when it comes to Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out everything that's going on today at robmccallumfilms.com 
also as well, Ron McCallum Films on Facebook, Ron McCallum Films on YouTube, and also as well, Rob McSob on Twitter. It's my good friend. It is Rob McCallum. Rob, we're here to talk about pop culture, and you're the man to talk about it. So pray tell, Rob, what's in your mind when it comes to pop culture? Well, today's episode is going to be a little bit like the lightning round, but I did want to start things off by kind of offering an open invitation for any people that are interested in research, any filmmakers out there, any investigative journalists that have a topic in mind that they're just dying to kind of see get made into a documentary, maybe a 20-minute short, a half-hour short, I want to talk to people that have a burning desire to tell a story from a certain point of view that if possible ties to the world of pop culture or, or could be universally driven. If you've got an idea, me and my team, Rob McCallum Films, Pyre Productions, Creative Dynamic, we want to talk to you guys and basically help be a part of that process. We've got a lot of films and series out there. We've got a lot of the, the award hardware on our on ourselves and we kind of want to do more and be involved in more. And we've started to shepherd a lot of other filmmakers and consult and, and work with them on their projects to get them to the next level, to make things happen a little bit faster for them and for us. So if you've got a great idea, reach out to us through social media, through Pop Culture Cosmos. Listen at the end of the show, you'll get all the hits and where you can send all your inquiries to. And we can just start talking back and forth. And maybe you've got a great idea and you've got a, a bit of skill and talent. And we can we can come in with a little bit of finances. We can come in with a lot of help and a ton of experience to make your idea uh, the next great reality. So hopefully we can talk about that as it evolves over the next few weeks and, and shows. But this is the kind of platform that we're, we're going to start to introduce and work with. And we've already got one filmmaker that we're working with. He's got a really exciting idea and he checks all the boxes and... For fans of people that like Nintendo Quest, this will be something a little bit in your wheelhouse. Same with box art. So it is somewhat in the video game sphere. Well, it is in the video game sphere if we can make everything work. So right now we're excited by that one. That's funny because you're like, well, if it's kind of, well, you know, if it's Nintendo Quest and box art, there's really not much stuff as far as that's concerned. Yes, Gerald. Yes. 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 Coffee. 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 Get it in me. Well, we'll see if you agree on this next topic, Gerald. Comic-Con seems like it was a long time ago, but it really wasn't. We got to see trailers for Shazam and Aquaman. Now, are we finally excited for anything in the DCU, or is this just a lot of hype for films that may not pan out as well? I really liked Aquaman. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I said it with Josh, and I'll say it with you, my friend. I really liked what Aquaman is going to bring to the table it looked like an adventure that is worth taking, that's worth watching. Yes, the CG was just overflowing throughout the, the entire trailer, but I enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I really have uh, a lot of interest in seeing what Jason Momoa's character, yes, it is the dude bro. Hey, you know, it's like he's just come off the, the beach with a surfboard in hand and whatnot, but it looks like a, a, an adventure worth following. Shazam, uh, not so much. Really? Yeah. Because I thought there was a nice charm about Shazam that a lot of films don't get. It's really hit or miss. And maybe the trailer had more of the hits that we might see in, in the film than the misses. And of course, you're not going to showcase the misses. And that character is a really strange character. So it's, a, it's an interesting one that they're, they're going back to. Um, of course, the name for him isn't always Shazam. It's also Captain Marvel. So that's a, an interesting conundrum that DC will have to reconcile at some point to see if it actually comes up but i i, I 
it's a strange choice to go for a film for the DCU, which is on shaky ground to begin with. And of course, there's the one shot of the battering or whatever that's in there as well. So they're tying it to everything else that's happened. But I feel like they're taking bigger swings with Shazam than they are for Aquaman. Aquaman looks like super serious and, and maybe a little dark and you know very epic and grand scale. Hopefully they can hit all the right beats. They've got a great director in place with James Wan for that. I'm not a huge fan of Zachary Levy for, for Shazam. I'm not a huge fan of Chuck. So to see him in a superhero role, I don't know. I just didn't really buy it. But I think I can appreciate the risks that Shazam is going for ahead of the can Aquaman hit the expectations and, and paint-by-number scheme that they're setting up. Because if they don't hit that mark, it's going to be a failure. With Shazam, I feel like there's way more leeway. And if they nail some of those risks that they're taking, it's going to be much more satisfying than an underwhelming battle for the throne underwater. But that I agree with you on because of the fact that... That's two, folks. Who's keeping count at home? For everybody playing at home, that's two. It is a big risk for DC to even venture out with the Shazam character, especially after all the failures that they've done so far. But... You know, it's like I said, I'm not exactly enthralled by it yet, but that doesn't mean I won't be. That doesn't mean it won't come off as a really funny, really light, really great adventure. But at this point in time, I don't see it materializing as such because, like you said, a lot of the buy in is Zachary Levi. And unfortunately, at this point in time, I don't have the buy in as of yet, but that could change. That could change. I'm not exactly uh, 100% against it. Like, uh, let's say Venom right now, because Venom just really just does not look good at all right now. And there's, there's some other trailers out there that are making the films less appealing, but I uh, won't go into it here. But Shazam is something that could sway me back over to it with another good outing, with another good trailer before it comes out. I guess, like you said, Zachary Levi itself, he's got to sell it. And so far, he hasn't. It'll be interesting, too, when we get the first look at the Green Lantern Corps trailer, which is supposed to be like a buddy cop film between Hal Jordan and rookie on the street, Jon Stewart. I'm not typically a fan of that kind of genre, but if they go cosmic and interesting and the case at hand has the power of a Mission Impossible with a little bit of that John Constantine dark flavor that the DC Universe can draw upon. And hey, there's a ton of Green Lantern material that is really quality, courtesy of Jeff Johns, who stepped down and is doing his own thing and a part of Green Lantern Corps, of course. Then it could be really good. But initially, when they announced that it was a buddy cop film, just not super excited about that. Well, this leads me into asking you this question. When it comes to the overall DCEU, how many more mistakes or how many missteps do you think Warner Brothers is going to handle? Because they can only write so many blank checks for this franchise. And, it, you know, even if Wonder Woman 2 hits again, you still got to have at least another two or three that actually meet expectations before you want to continue this whole thing going forward. Ultimately, I mean, they can continue doing it because they've merged with AT&T and have more money than exists on the planet yet. So as long as they want content, they can continue doing this. And even if they lose at the box office, their own streaming app and, and HBO can have the rights to these films. And they're doing well on digital and Blu-ray because people are curious enough to keep looking at them. Unless you're putting out a piece of crap like the first Green Lantern film, like even Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman and Justice League, they did considerable money even for what they cost. They were profitable films. So if they're profitable, they will continue to make them and they've got the coffers to keep doing this stuff. Ultimately, if they push the pause button on building this extended universe, 
they can continue just doing a bunch of solo outings like Marvel did, where they're not tied in anything. And then if they feel like they have something, they can choose to rope the characters in and the films that work together in whatever way. Shazam didn't have to have that battering. It could have been a standalone adventure. And if it did well, have Shazam in the next Batman film or whatever the film is. And because it's been established, it's fine. Not everybody introduced has to be in the big kind of build-up thing. So that's one strategy. The other strategy is if you're going to push pause, then you go back to focusing on the big three. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. And you can rework Superman and Batman as many times as you want. The audience will always be hungry for those two characters. I agree with you on that. And let me ask you this. I know we've touched on it in a roundabout way, but like I said, I kind of like that dynamic between the Batfleck and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Uh, ben Affleck, I should say, instead of just the Batfleck. But your thoughts on Ben Affleck as the Batman. If we were to be given a solid script, a decent plot, do you still think he should be going forward someone that is maybe of interest when it comes to the Batman character? Because I have, I don't think he's the best Batman, but I certainly don't think he's the worst. I think he's a really great Bruce Wayne. You know, and I think Batman and Bruce Wayne are, are two different characters. I, so, that I, that I agree with you on. The Bruce if if, yeah. if people have an issue with him being Batman, one thing that DC might want to explore is the Batman Beyond scenario where Bruce Wayne can no longer go on because of an injury, because of age. And at that point, he mentors somebody as the new Batman. So on Batman Beyond, Bruce Wayne is still kind of in charge. And Terry takes up the mantle and puts on the cape and cowl and becomes the new Batman for, for Gotham. Could we not see that same role? It might kind of minimize the role of Alfred, who's that kind of voice of reason in, in that kind of scenario going forward. But you could still have Ben Affleck in the mix as that kind of overseer who's no longer in the field of duty, but still as, as a presence. I, I think he's fine. I didn't have any major issues with him. I didn't have any major praise for him, but I didn't have any issues for him either. Yeah, same here, same here. It's just not like he's done a terrible job because I don't think he's the reason why. I would have really liked to see him have that whole script to himself where he could have wrote, directed, and starred in because when when he has that freedom, we've seen with films like The Town and with Argo, he can really nail it. But it's got to be like his telling. It's got to be you know his deal. And when you start minimalizing that because you're worried about box office returns, you're not going to get what you want. Yeah, I, I agree with you at that point. That's three for three, man. Three for three. It's it's an it's an odd day in the pop culture cosmos. Whatever corner of the galaxy you're in, strange things are afoot. Rob, it's just great to have you a part of the show, part of the program, part of the cosmic crossfire, and of course, right here, a part of the pop culture cosmos. Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. 
For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. Once again, this is Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, Josh Peterson. Just want to let everyone know if you need a listing of where we're at, what we're being played on, because we're on radio seven days a week, not only online, but over the air stations. You can just check us out on our social media, Pop Culture Cosmos. You'll see the schedule right there. If you delve into our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, you'll actually see a listing of many of those stations and also a lot of the podcast networks we're affiliated with as well. Make sure you subscribe to any one of our networks out there. And if you do, it is truly, truly appreciated. Josh, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media, my friend. And I know you got a lot of stuff cooking on the plate. So tell me what's going on with your great network known as Humanica Media. Topic Apocalypse. We just put up a new review of Hope's Fall's new album, Arbiter, today. So you can check that out this morning. We also popped up an interview of Gerald Here's interview with Jason Williams of Flesh Gordon. Did he write a book? What was the, the deal with that? He is on the promotional trail for his book, I Was Flesh Gordon, which he co-wrote. Actually, he was approached for the concept of this idea. He was working with his co-author on another project. It just so happened to come up that he mentioned, yes, he was Flesh Gordon back in the 70s when that major movie came out. He talks a little bit about that, plus also the relationship between Flesh Gordon and Star Wars. He talks a little bit about that, plus also as well, life in the 70s as a star and some of the things he did with other stars, a little bit behind the scenes as far as what went on during the shooting of Flesh Gordon and a lot about his career after Flesh Gordon as well. We delve into that. In fact, he is an Emmy award-winning producer. I actually approached him on that and asked about his thoughts on that as well, plus a lot more. Again, it was almost an hour-long interview. I really found it enjoyable, and I hope you do too. And it is part of the Topicocalypse channel you can get right now on Podbean. Josh, I know some major updates came out this week. For a lot of games, they usually come out each and every week. There were two games in particular that caught my eye with some major updates and that you could say they're expansions you could say they're free updates free add-ons what have you they were two updates which depending on the individual really enhanced the game and made it possible that for a lot of people who either have delved into it or are looking possibly to delve into it into both no man's sky and also sea of thieves i know you've got a chance to play the Sea of Thieves expansion that just came out, which was part of that major update. First, go into your thoughts with the Sea of Thieves expansion. Is this something that people should be interested in? Sea of Thieves originally came out as something that was very hyped by Microsoft that even though it's got quite a few downloads and got quite a bit of interest on the Xbox Game Pass, may have not lived up critically to everyone's expectations. Is it time to go back on the ship and go raiding again as a pirate du jour? Yes and no. With Sea of Thieves, it really it has no progression system, so there's not really any incentives to play the game. What's fun about it is getting on and playing with your friends. So that's like the big the big motivating factor for me is to play with like Big Dog and Brian Kane on uh on Xbox Live. But 
you know, once we get out there and we do, you know, we do enough missions, we play around for, you know, a few hours, we get into a few fights with other pirate ships, it kind of loses its flair. With the expansions, I think the expansions are going to be the only thing that that actually brings players back to the game because if they don't create keep creating content, it's there's not going to, you know, people are just going to be like, okay, well, I played that for a bit. Now, you know, time to go on to Destiny or Call of Duty or something like that. But, you know, with this expansion, it's fun and then it isn't fun because it does have a, a story to play through. But it's, you know, it's hard to play it with friends. So you really see if Thieves is a... At its at its core, it's a multiplayer game, or it's a you know it's an MMO at its core, or it wants to be. There's not really a lot to do, you know, on that front. But so usually on the on those types of games, like you you get your missions, and then you can go and do like you're in a party with people or in a group, a clan, whatever. You hit the mission objectives, and everybody gets it. And this one, you know, you do the story that they put out there, and everyone has to do it. Every single player has to do it separately. So it got really confusing at some points where we had to actually I had to go back and, you know, follow have Big Dog follow me around to the different mission points so we that we could keep doing this thing. But, you know, the big thing that they added was the the ghost ships. So you, you can be out sailing and then they have these red flags when you hit the outpost. And if the flag is red, it means that there's a, a ghost ship out there for you to catch. But if not, if it's white, it means that somebody already did it. So you go to the you go to the place that the flag tells you to go and you have to be there at a certain time and then the ghost ship pops up. And so you basically have to take out this ghost ship and then you get incentives for for not incentives, but you get special items like there's a cannonball that when you shoot it at the, your enemy ship, it'll make all, all the players on the other boat dance instead of being able to fire cannons back at you. So they have something like that. But the thing is, like it's it's not it's specific to the world it's not specific to the people so like if you're they don't have more than one so if you if someone already does it that day it doesn't come back for it i want to say it has like a spawn point of like two or three hours but like it it's it's more of a community event than anything else like the the expansion does have a story mode that you can play along with but it's really it's you know, it's more of the same. Like you have expectations for Sea of Thieves, and I like playing it. But again, the only reason I played is because I can play with my friends. It's not something I get on there and play by myself. So I think there, there's a lot of notes that they can take for Sea of Thieves too. Should that come to fruition, like a progression system, or really just a point to play the game? You know, like a something to drive the story forward to keep you in the game because. You know, everyone kept saying, like, why are people going to play Skull and Bones if Sea of Thieves is like that? But Skull and Bones actually looks like a more rounded game. So, I, you know, if you can play that with your buddies, then I don't think many people are going to keep playing Sea of Thieves. That's what I wanted to ask you. Sea of Thieves was just recently announced going over the 5 million player threshold just before this expansion launch. And by the way, the expansion is called Curse Sales. If it were not have been a day one inclusion into the Xbox Game Pass, which has been one of the big successes of the Xbox One since its inception, do you think on its own as a $60 freestanding game, do you think it would have found the success that it has now, which is pretty good, not tremendous, obviously, not anywhere near Fortnite level or any major game level have you, but still... Five million players is, is nothing to sneeze at, but do you think it would have found that kind of marketplace, that kind of consumer interest, 
if it had not been an early inclusion into the Xbox Game Pass? No, I don't think so, honestly, because the the reviews coming out the gate for the game would have, I, you know, I, I think it would have killed it on day one if they had not included it in Game Pass. Because a lot of people picked it up, basically, you know, they had Game Pass and it was, so it was basically free for them. But, uh, you know, as far as people who went out and paid $60, I don't know many people with the exception of Big Dog that actually went out and played or and paid $60 for it. But I do know a lot of people who have played it and they've all said that they would not go out and spend $60 on it. Now, there was another game, like I said, that got also a major update, which is causing a lot of talk out there amongst gamers about possibly either delving into it the first time or going back into it again. And that is No Man's Sky. And this is something that you and I talked about way back when, a couple years ago, in regards to when it first came out with a lot of hype, a lot of backing from PlayStation. It was something that it in gave a lot of interest to everybody out there, including myself, as far as what the possibilities could be. And then it came out, and it, even though it sold hot right out of the gate, it really let everyone down as far as what you could do within the game and, and kind of disappointed everybody, similar to what Sea of Thieves has done because of the middling ratings and whatnot that came out at that time. There's been a major inclusion in No Man's Sky, which was a single-player game, even though they said that theoretically you could actually see someone, but you couldn't interact with them. They've now, with updates, turned it into a multiplayer game with a lot of expansion, a lot of things that have been added, new abilities, but also as well, new things that you can do within the context of the game that make it much more interesting. So I ask you, with this huge update, is it time to get back into No Man's Sky? And do you think it could really become the game which we were all hoping it would be when it originally came out on the PlayStation 4? Yeah, I mean, I think the potential is there, but let me ask you this, with all these... We got gaming season is right around the corner. So, I mean, it really, if people are going to jump back into it, it'll probably only be for a couple months because, you know, you got big game, big titles like Red Dead coming out, Assassin's Creed, like all the big titles that were shown off at E3, a majority of them are coming out within the next month or two. So I guess in general, do you think that when they make, you know, when they improve games like this, because from what I understand, Mass Effect Andromeda is a more complete experience right now, but you know, just knowing that, especially a game like No Man's Sky, do you, would that be enough to get you to go back to play it? Well, if I had Mass Effect Andromeda give me the bad taste in my mouth that it gave a lot of other players when going through 20, 30 hours of it, and you're asking me to go back into it again, even though you've really filled out the game a lot nicer, that's a hard thing to ask for. And I know a lot of people have had a really a I guess a disappointing time with No Man's Sky originally. So asking a lot of those players to go back for stuff that you should have included into the game in the first place is a really hard sell. I think at this point, PlayStation should just market it to people who were not familiar with the game because the game came out two years ago, who have not been introduced to it and are just getting to know it now, or individuals such as myself who were thinking about it saw the reviews, decided to go ahead and veer into another direction, but always had it in the back of my mind, maybe I could have tried it down the line or whatnot. And now it's actually teetering in my favor as far as something that I might want to try, at least give it a little bit of a time, two, three, four hours, and see if where I can go from there. 
that I think they should do as opposed to try and market it to maybe people coming back into the game after they had such a disappointing experience. Same thing with Mass Effect Andromeda. You could actually say at this point in time, I would probably market it if I was EA at all or just try and you know reach people out on social media and say, hey, this is really for someone who wants the experience fresh or has it new because for someone who has played it already, it's going to be really a hard sell to get them back involved in the game. What are your thoughts out there on the games that we're talking about with major updates that are added to it? Is it time to get back into No Man's Sky and Sea of Thieves? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Coming up right after the break, once again, we've got Rob McCallum with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire He's coming back with more great pop culture talk. And right after that, Josh and I will be back talking Apple. It's reached a trillion dollars. Where do they go from here? We're going to speculate on that right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Based on the webcomic by Sarumaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and TurboGrafx systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. Check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or TurboGrafx today at fxunityuki.com. That's F-X-U-N-I-T-Y-U-K-I. Castle Rock is now streaming for free on Hulu, at least the very first premiere episode, and I was actually able to check it out in Canada because my Apple TV account is an American one. I can't watch any Hulu because it won't stream outside the continental US, but I was able to check out episode one of the much anticipated Stephen King, J.J. Abrams anthology series. And I was kind of shocked to discover that it's not an anthology where every episode is standalone. It's actually an ongoing story. So maybe every season will be standalone as they go forward, or maybe just arcs will be two or three episodes. I'm not sure. I did get to check out episode one. Did you get a chance to view it? And uh, what were your thoughts if you did? I did. It moved a little slow for me as far as the pacing is concerned, but dealing in and around everything with the Shawshank Redemption, because I have such fond memories of that movie. I was hoping for a little bit more inferences from all different aspects of the actual world of Stephen King because you see so much of it in that opening sequence as far as the title sequence is concerned you see so much of it being involved in there just you know people are just going over that just for nooks and crannies and and secret things that are in there that are hidden in that title sequence alone so I was hoping for more of that maybe one character or a couple characters or or even some inferences even more into this story that's right now centered mostly around what is known as Shawshank Prison. Yeah, so for everybody out there who hasn't taken a look at it, the first story seems to revolve around present-day Shawshank, which is really interesting since Shawshank Redemption took place decades and decades ago. I like that they're not doing a lot of fan service with these Easter eggs and callbacks because it lets what's happening now be its own thing without having the crutch 
to rely on those winks to fans to get them excited about what's going on. I thought the reveal that everything was with Shawshank with the car, the side of the car's decal, I thought that was really cool. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And, to, and then to think about, okay, what has happened at Shawshank for the years that have happened since we saw Andy Dufresne make his escape in the Shawshank Redemption, I thought it was great. I think the pacing is actually pretty typical of Stephen King. It felt very much like his novels. It's drawn out. There's a lot of character work. There's details. There's a lot of questions that have already been posed and a lot of kind of mysteries and the threads are starting to go really wide and at some point they're going to start converging back i won't be able to watch them because i live in canada of course unless they offer it up as a season pass on itunes which i don't think they will until the end of the end of the first season so so be it i thought it was good you know my uh, my wife and i had a chance to watch it she thought it was cool and we were both equally bummed when episodes two and three which seem available were not uh, available to us to watch so I think it's an interesting thing. I think the only reason I'm watching it is because of the Stephen King, J.J. Abrams, and all the the pre-build up. I'm not upset that I won't be able to watch two and three and have to resort to illegal piracy or anything like that to get that fixed. There's enough to watch. But I do think it's worth checking out to see where it goes. I agree with you at that part, it's four for four, that there is still more within this universe that I think that maybe I, I will, will get, continue to give it a chance. Hopefully it'll ramp up there. And knowing Stephen King, his books and everything as far as that he's created, it does ramp up from there. So I'm, I'm probably will continue to give it a chance overall. But one last thing I want to ask you on this, because like you said, it's, it's Stephen King with J.J. Abrams overseeing it. J.J. Abrams is a name that you see quite a bit when it comes to executive producing and that his name is very much out there right now on a lot of different platforms and a lot of different projects that are out there. Your thoughts on someone getting to the point, let's say like you, let's say you hit a big with you know, whatever it is that you're going to be doing up in, in as far as the movies that you're going to be able to create down the road and gets to the point where you get the offers coming in to go ahead and add your name into the executive producer mix on a lot of different projects. Do you think it dilutes your name when you're just going ahead and throwing out it? Because as you see, when he's attached to one of these projects, that's the first thing that they blurt out when it comes to whatever it is that they're trying to introduce. Well, they've got to blurt it out, right? Because there's not only is it costing you money to have somebody like that involved, it's something that's very marketable. And because it is out there, if you like his films, if you like his TV stuff, then you might be inclined to like this. So it's just smart marketing. I'm not sure that it dilutes it. I mean, I you would you could put Spielberg in the same category. He's you know attached to all the Transformer films as an oh, yeah. executive producer. Every Jurassic Park or Jurassic World movie, he's attached as an executive producer. His role is kind of always up in the air, depending on what it is. Now Spielberg's a very hands-on kind of guy. He likes to really get down in the dirty in the trenches. If if the teams allow him to come in, and why wouldn't you? I don't. I don't think it dilutes it. I just think it's. It's you know these people are busy, and I get that. And I would love to be in a scenario where, like I said at the top of the show, where I can work with a bunch of different people, get their projects out there, like this other kind of video game project I'm working on. You don't think in the marketing we're going to say from the director of Nintendo Quest comes this other video game thing? Of course we are. We have to. We absolutely have to. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be on the same quality as Nintendo Quest or the same idea. It could be better. And hopefully it is. Hopefully everything I keep doing is better than the last thing I do. It is who I am. I don't think Abrams is ever going to sign on just to get a paycheck because he's going to have to be involved. I'm not saying that is the case, but I don't know why you would when your name is always on the line. Like Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, is his name is all over the place when it comes to executive producing projects. And 
gets to the point where you got to ask yourself, is he actually able to have the time to go ahead and be a part of these projects or is he just doing it to sign his name off so that you can get extra pub and extra notice from the individual fans out there? Well, he was reluctant to take on episode seven and episode nine because of the number of commitments that he had. And I know he dialed back his work that he was doing as an executive producer on Cloverfield Paradox, the Netflix kind of straight to Netflix thing that came up as a result of having to jump on script duties and stuff for the Star Wars stuff, as well as the Trek universe. You know, he's really dialed back a bunch of other things in order to favor some other opportunities that have come his way. So I think what he's learned is you've always got to keep a little extra wiggle room and keep the door open. And he's a guy that really holds family time as a priority. When uh, the weekend hits, his phones go off. He doesn't pick up the phone from Friday at 5 p.m. until, you know, Monday at 10 a.m. So I got to respect a guy who can who can shut off that easily and just kind of get back to it when necessary. So I, I think he knows what he's doing, and I, I think he is involved in all these things. And uh, good for him that have the opportunity to do so. Fair enough, fair enough. You would know more than I on that subject, so fair enough indeed. Well, we'll agree on that. Five for five. Ting. (laughs) Cool. Well, we'll talk to you soon, and hope everybody's enjoyed ECC and all the episodes of Cosmic Crossfire. That's right, but you can always get a hold of us at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well rob mccallum films on facebook rob mcsob on twitter and also popculturecosmos on twitter as well if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford along with Josh Peterson. Josh, can I ask you a simple question, my friend? No. What? Maybe. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Ask away. When it first came out, when you were, I guess, maybe a young lad, why didn't you go up to your parents and say, Mommy, Daddy, why aren't you investing in Apple? Because Apple made not very great products, if I remember correctly. The one time that I was actually brought into light of what Apple made was in the third grade when I walked into the computer lab in my school and they had all the different colored Apple computers. That was the first time I was aware that Apple was a thing. From when I was working at a computer store that sold Macs, which was, I guess, a second place to the, I guess, burgeoning at that time, Commodore Mega market, which we were selling a lot more of as a specialty retailer. We started somewhat getting into max a little bit more a little bit more a little more then we got into it big time and it started to take off in the mid 90s from a home computer standpoint but you're right the overall quality compared to pcs wasn't where it needed to be but in the 2000s something changed my friend the advent of the smartphones really came into play and wouldn't you know it apple really took off as far as that's concerned everybody knows the iphone now The iPhone has been something of a dynamo 
in this century. And obviously, it's been a major reason why, along with a lot of other great steps that have helped Apple to become a trillion-dollar company. So I ask you, my friend, a trillion dollars down, what does Apple need to do maybe even a little bit more or what they haven't even developed or haven't even been introduced yet to the marketplace that they can explore in order to get even more money at this point in time? I think the next step for them would be like appliances, not like refrigerators and stuff, but like TVs, video game consoles. Like I can see them doing something like that because there, there are a bunch of like steam boxes out there, but Apple doesn't really have anything of its own. And well, it has like an Apple TV at this point in time, but that's, I mean, that, that that's their version of like, let's say, uh, you know, uh, the Roku stick or right. the Amazon fire or anything right. like that. iOS has gaming, but they don't have an actual console, like something that, you know, say a, uh, like a final fantasy could be released on. Like you could buy it. It's just a box. You can buy a game to go into it, or you can just purchase off the iTunes marketplace. Like I could see them getting into that market, much like Microsoft did. And Google is going to because they've announced that they're actually in development of a console. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, whether or not it's the right time for that to happen, we don't know. But that's that's the next step I can see them taking. And because I know they're already getting into the original content market, but that's such a small market in the greater scheme of what it is that Apple does. They're already at the top of their game in cell phones, computers, stuff like that. It would be video games and, you know, like televisions and stuff like that. Like, I think that that would be the next evolution for them. I agree with you. But also for me, it's something that both Rob and I have alluded to in our conversations in previous Cosmic Crossfires, and that's the entertainment side of things. I know that they've garnered a relationship with Oprah Winfrey about producing shows for their medium. That's actually, to me, a brilliant step. But I see that this is just the tip of the iceberg as far as where they can go and the kind of resource they can allot to it as Apple becoming a entertainment medium, which is something that Rob McCallum has also alluded to as well. And we've seen already the kind of money that Netflix and and other entities are willing to throw around. Amazon, in regards to Lord of the Rings, half a billion dollars there. Netflix committing, what, 10 to $15 billion as far as new programming as well. So I see Apple really becoming invested into this market if they wish to and if they want to and if they decide to go into it full board they could be a major major player in the entertainment industry what are your thoughts on apple hitting a trillion dollars are you excited for it are you an apple fan do you love your iphone and your ipad and your imac and all that good stuff are you using it right now and you're watching us on your apple tv share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, any last thoughts on the way out? Like I said before, it's Evo weekend. Hope everybody gets a chance to check out the action. And best of luck to Christian Daniel Zamudio. Any last thoughts, man, on the way out? Yeah, next time we talk, I want to talk about the absurdity of the storyline in Doom. Because I'm playing my first Doom game on Xbox One right now. And even for a video game, it is just absolutely absurd. It's like Jurassic Park, but worse. It's all about that space marine being trapped up on Mars. And if I remember correctly, it meant a lot of death and destruction to a lot of alien beings in that game. 
Plus, also, we're going to be talking about the box office with Mission Impossible. Can it hit number one for a second week? Or will Christopher Robin or another movie come into play and lead the not only domestic, but the worldwide box office as well? And also, Tyler Baker is coming back and coming back strong with his thoughts in the coming episodes in regards to choices that you need to think about when you're going ahead and building and drafting your fantasy football team he's got his thoughts on the best players at quarterback wide receiver running back and he's going to be talking about that in the coming episodes as well so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pcc multiverse we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special commercial for We Podcast and We Know Things. Wow, a commercial? Yes, Sam, a commercial. You do this to me every time. Anyway, we are We Podcast and We Know Things, the source for all of your nerdy news in gaming, TV, film, music, and all things pop culture. Heck, even wrestling. We're basically spreading the good word of nerd one episode at a time. Check us out here on the ESO Podcast Network and wherever fine podcasts are, including the iOS Podcast app, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with all the goings-on in the nerdy world. Now back to your ESO Network Podcast. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos, and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.